Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, parents, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. We are talking today about a topic that we hear from parents all the time, and that is my older kids. And Suzanne, what what age would you put the older kids we're talking about here? Oh, I think it would probably preteen, maybe 11, 12. Up I don't to know. like 40. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, I think it gets better as they get. We're talking about. Yeah, pre-teenagers, teenagers, middle school, high school, uh, maybe late grade school, and they just start shutting down. You know, like we're talking. Yeah, the 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 topic or the sentence is how to get your older kids to talk to you about life. And so, the definition of older kids is that preteen all the way through young adult age. Because just to take a step back a little bit, moms, we don't have a problem having our little kids talk to us, right? They'll talk our ears off nonstop. We have a two-year-old grandson who's constantly talking. And so they're not necessarily the ones we're going after in this podcast. We're going to talk to you parents. But parents of littles, by all means, listen to this. Because this is what you can put into action um, when your kids do stop talking. Or you're going to prevent the things that... Make your kids not want to talk to you anymore. Well, and for parents of littles, before we get into bigger kids, one of the things, one of Suzanne's most profound statements ever is, is if you listen to them when they're five, they'll talk to you when they're 15. That as that what we would tell the younger parents is you are training them to talk to, to, talk you. to you when yes. they are young. Yes. Now, and, and then you do that by listening to all those silly stories and encouraging them. I mean, one of the reasons our grandkids talk to us all the time is because we're always asking them, hey, tell us a story. What do you think about that? And, you know, almost we go overboard with that because we know that we want to that relationship to open up. And it starts when they're two, three, four, five, six, seven years old. Yeah. And so I just want to share a quick story Madeline shared with me. She's potty training Truett, who is a little over two. And um, she walked in his in his room and he had had a, he had a diaper on. He sleeps in a diaper and the, the room smelled like he had pooped. And so she walked in and usually in the morning, he's so excited to see her. He's jumping up and down so excited. And this time he's just standing at her, there, standing in the bed, looking at her. And she can tell that he's by the smell that he's pooped. And so she can tell by his countenance that he feels bad about it. He feels guilt. He feels shame because he did something he thought he wasn't supposed to do um you know when the bowels move the bowels move (laughs) you know um and so madeline pursued him and she said mom it was a parenting win i connected with him i said hey buddy how's it going what's going on you know you don't seem you seem troubled what's going on and he finally said i pooped and she goes well that's okay that's all right and so even at two she's starting to bridge the gap between her and her kid when her kid messes up when our kids do something wrong there's it's the way that we can open up to them and get them to talk to us. That's when that's when it happens. Not when they do things right, because when they do things right, everything's rosy and peachy, right? That's right. But it's when they mess up. It's like sometimes as parents, we overreact. She could have stormed in there and smelled it and said, True, what have you done? You've pooped in your topper. We're not be pooping the potty. We don't put, you know, and just gone on and on. And, and basically 
solidified his feeling of guilt and shame about himself. And so as parents, we, we get to un, unravel, uh, unearth, you know, roll the rock over that, uh, off of that guilt and shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So know that deep down. So let's take the two-year-olds and go to the older kids and let's just put this principle in you to start out with that. Just like the two-year-old wants to talk to you and just like the five-year-old wants to talk to you, Deep down, your children want to talk to you at every age. God designed it that way. He designed this DNA match, this this deep connection that's there between a parent and a child. He designed it in marriage too. He it, because it just comes through sex instead of the DNA. <laughs> but I mean, but there's this connection there that happens that. It, and if you believe that, you go, because so many parents get discouraged when their kids get older and they're like, oh, they just don't want to talk to me. Yeah. They don't like me. They, I can't reach them, blah, 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 blah. And none of that's true. You got to believe differently first, because really what happens is, is there's things that have gotten in right. the way. Exactly. And so the problem is not that they don't want to talk to you, but things have gotten in the way. So let's like talk a barrier, about, like something. Exactly. Yeah. And so you got to break down the barriers. And, and what we said at first is you you can establish the breaking down of the barriers when they're young by by. But if you have, them. let's say that you've got a teenager now, you've got a younger kid or, you know, a, a grade school or whatever. And they, it's, it's starting to break down. You can break through those barriers. Let's talk about what those barriers might be. Okay, so the first one, we have to always understand in every situation that the enemy does have a role in it. He is the he's the father of lies. He has come to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10 says the thief comes, the enemy is the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then it goes on to say, but God says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says that to us. And so we have to, as parents, sometimes just stop and say, okay, is this this, what is, what's happening in this situation? Is this the enemy? Is he, and I can tell you there's so many times in our parenting and in our marriage too connection where the enemy's alive and well. And he's told me, you're not good enough, mom, or you're, you're not good enough as a wife, Suzanne, or you're saying it all wrong, or you're doing it, you're doing it wrong. And that's the, that's the enemy. That's you're not good enough. Yeah. And so, you know, um, how do you counteract that? And so, you know, if you want to counteract the enemy's work in your um, in the relationship with you and your kid, well, you use truth of God to put it in your in your um, relationship. You know, for example, you can believe that you and your child are both fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even Psalm 39, 114 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, you, you just start to believe that I am a child of God. My child is a child of God. God wants us to connect. Enemy, you don't have, you don't get to do those things because right. we are children of God. Yeah. And so, and another thing too, just in, just to encourage that if the enemy comes in is the, the scripture in Exodus twenty twelve, honor your father and mother so that you may live a long life in this land. Um, the, the land that the Lord, your God has given you. And so I tell, I would tell my kids all the time that if we can honor each other, if I can honor you, you can honor me. Things are going to go well with us. Right. Things are going to go well with our relationship. And so to understand the enemy's lying, killing, stealing, destroying, but we can use service 
usurp that by honoring each other. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. If you ask your kid, hey, you know, son or daughter, teenage son or daughter, do you want to have a bad relationship with me? Do you want to have a bad relationship with your parents? And, you know, rarely are they going to say, well, yeah, that's the goal, dad. You know, I mean, that's the goal. I I don't want to, you know, they don't want it any more than we do. They want it to flow. You know, there's selfishness that's going on. What what is that? That's the enemy. And, and, and you start to convince yourself, your kid that, Hey, God wants us to have a good relationship. God wants this to happen. The enemy, when it's not happening, the enemy's involved and we don't want those things. He designed it and created that way. So that's that's one. And another barrier that happens is just the world. Yes. The world is determined to control your child's thoughts and actions. And, and they do it through peers, through social media, through culture. I mean, even education. I mean, teachers, coaches. I mean, they're not they're not out to break down that marriage. I mean, that parent relationship. But there's there's a lack of authority. There's a there's a lack of respect for authority that is that is out there now that is seems to be pulling our our kids away from us as parents and the influence we have over them as parents. Yeah, and and the world wants you know and the. Who is the world? The world is also the enemy. You know that the enemy right, is, yeah. the, is the prince of this world. So the the enemy uses the world to drive wedges. In and and parents have trouble distinguishing, I think, between the natural independence that a kid is developing in these years mm-hmm. versus what is actual division. We want them to develop independence. We want them to be self sufficient. We want them right. to develop self control. But sometimes parents distinguish that as being, oh, they're against me. No, I'm dishonoring, yeah, you're disrespectful. Dis- yeah. Yes. And so, but sometimes it really is dishonoring and disrespectful. So, you know. Um, and so but, I was just going to say that, so if it's the world that has separated you, but got between you and your, and your child and the conversations that you're having and the connection that you're having, and you're not, your kids not talking to you because their friends have told you they're because your friends have told your child, you can't trust your mom. I mean, I can't trust my mom. Right. You can't trust your mom. Then we got to go in with these statements of truth that says, I've been in your life since the beginning. I know you best. Right. You, you're genetically a part of me. So I get you. I get you better than your friend gets you. I mean, right. granted, I'm not your age, but if I, when I remember back and parents, this is the time when you pull back, you go back into your memories and you go, oh, you know what? When I was in middle school, this is how I felt. And this is what I thought. And this is what I did. Our, our kids know so many stories about when we were in middle school because we've shared it with them, trying to relate and connect with them. Yeah, we tell our kids a lot, hey, we were handpicked by God to be the number one person of influence in your life. Number one, and both of us are number one, you know, and that's another thing, parents, you know, kids will play you off each other. And, and working together to be the, you're, you're both the number one influence, you know, so often sure. it's like it's the male and female influence. It's how God designed it. We're, we're all in this together. God, our kids need both of that, both sets of influences. Yeah. And one of the things that Suzanne has done, I just, uh, I, I try to copy it, but she is really good at it is, um, is asking the kids, Hey, when they come to her with an issue, even if they're in trouble or something, you know, uh, if they've done something wrong or whatever, she'll just say, hey, 
Let's dream and vision cast together so that you can see that I'm for you, that I'm your fan, and let's figure out how to resolve. What do you think God would want you to do with this? What do you think mm-hmm. your vision is for that? And you and you just kind of watch. Um, many times they may, and, and they don't do it much anymore. Honestly, our, our, our kids... Um, really do feel uh, comfortable, sometimes too comfortable talking to us. We have been kind of uh, ninjas about trying to pursue these things. And so they they really are um, uh, very comfortable talking to us. But, but if they're not, just ask them questions. Hey, let's cast vision for this. What do you think? What, where, where do you think, God? What does God want to do with this decision in your life? And you'll be amazed how they'll just brighten up and they'll want to talk to you about it. Yeah, I just want to just reiterate that as well. So how do you get your older kids to talk to you about life is you ask them and you and you do, like you said, partner with them in dreaming because they've got those dreams and they desperately want your approval. Even if they act like they don't, they do. And so when you pursue them and you invite them into the safe place of, hey, I love you. I want to know what you I want to know what you want to do. You want to oh, you want to play the violin. Oh, you want to you want to get better at football. You want to I want to partner with you. Yeah. I want to bring all of my energy, my resources. I want to do whatever it takes for you to be the best that you can be. And that right there, like you said, Don, it lights their fire and it connects them to us. And they then they do want to talk to you. So we've talked about the enemy getting involved, the world getting involved. Uh, let's finish the let's finish the barrier piece of this with a with a little bit more difficult conversation because sometimes it's because we've messed up as parents, right? And it's wounds that we have done. We have hurt our kids and. And parents, if, if that's, you know, we're all in that situation in various degrees. So can we just acknowledge that, hey, we've all messed up in some ways. We've all pushed our kids away with certain, we, we all have faults. We all have things that well, yeah, we're working even on. The, even the very best of parents have moments of anger or frustration where they've lashed out or they've been impatient. Come on, moms. How many of us have been impatient? Dads. Right. Or maybe, I mean, in this one right here, I see this is a, 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 epidemic across uh, being young moms right now is inattentiveness because our phones are constantly in our faces. And And so so our children, so we didn't listen to them when they were five. Exactly. So they they become, and they start to mimic us and they're on their phones and they're doing the things that, that, you know, uh, even, you know, our, our kids that are our younger boys right now, the things that I allow them to do on their phone and the things that I do on my phone, totally different than I had my daughters. Do. Oh, Molly says that when we'd go on road trips, we couldn't even listen to videos. Right. I mean, we couldn't even do, I mean, we couldn't do anything. And so it's and such part a of different it was contrast. the difference between parenting our seventh kid and versus our first kid. But part of it is just the influence of technology. We've kind of let it go over time, but, but that's a, that's a sidebar really. I mean, there's so often that we have um, really have wounded our kids. Well, and we have to understand that we didn't come on moms and dads. You didn't set out to wound your kid. My mom and dad didn't set out to wound me. Um, it just happens along the way. If you like, like think about it from a child's perspective, you just look at a child, they've got their big giant eyes. I mean, and God created it that way. And they're just filled with wonder and they're filled with um, desire to be accepted. And sometimes us adults are just plowing through life and we just blow right past them. And we don't even think about it. We don't even see it. And so it's not that we've intentionally set out to wound them. And so if this is a place where you're like, oh my gosh, I've so wounded my child, 
child. I'm a terrible parent. That's not at all what we're saying. You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, take that back. <laughs> you are, like we said, you are handpicked by God to raise your children up in the way that they should go. And so just facing the fact that, okay, it, it, I've wounded them somewhere along the way. I can think of, we can, my kids have told me about, uh, not all the times yet. I'm sure at some point in time, I'll know of all of them, but many, many of the times where I have wounded them. And it was because of impatience or frustrations or inattentiveness, just some of those things. Right. And so what Jesus tells us to do is first to pursue reconciliation, that reconciliation, forgiveness, uh, being humble, apologizing, all those things will make great strides in overcoming the barriers to your relationships. I mean, mm. you know, in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. In other words, there's an offense in a relationship. He says, first, uh, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You know, Jesus says it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how much you try to serve them. It doesn't matter how much you try to love them. If you are not reconciled, it's going to be a barrier. He's saying that it's it's because what's he, what's this person trying to do? You're offering your gift at the altar. You are trying to do something good. And so often we're trying so hard to connect with our teenager. Hey, you know, you're trying to overcome all those mistakes you felt like you made in the first 10 years of their life or whatever. And, but it's just not working. Mm -hmm. Well, some, many times it's because that teenager might be uh, scared of you. They might be bitter towards you. Um, I know that, you know, yeah, they've got a place of unforgiveness that, yeah. or maybe you haven't even given them the chance to forgive. I know that there's, there's times that, you know, I've seen parents of teenagers, they'll go buy them this fancy new thing or that or whatever, when really all the kid wants is an, I'm sorry. Right. You know, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry I missed your game. That's really what the kid wants. But the parents trying to bring like the gifts and the and the di the different things, trying to meet them in yeah. a different place. And so I just want you to understand how powerful an apology is coming from an adult to a child. It is so so powerful when we as adults humble humble ourselves and show them, hey, I messed up. I did it. I didn't do it right. And I'm parents, sorry. when you do it without qualification, <laughs> exactly. I was tired. I, I, I was well, busy. Well, well, or you know, I hear it so often, and I've done it. I've learned not to do it, and I hope I don't ever do it again. But hey, you know, I'm so sorry you did that. You know, if you wouldn't have done this, <laughs> then it, I probably wouldn't have done it. But you were such a brat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and the, you know, and, and the kid just goes, well, I'm just deeper in the hole now. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. we didn't, but it really just comes down to, and I think Suzanne's right too. It's not about making excuses. It's just, hey, you know what? I messed up. And, and you know, what I tell my kids a lot is, like when I yell at them or something, I go back to them and I say, look, I don't care what you did. I don't ever get the right to yell at you. Yeah. I don't, it's it, as a, if I want to be who God wants me to be, that it doesn't, the circumstances don't dictate whether I, I don't have, if, if X, Y, and Z happens and all of a sudden, okay, now I get the right to yell at you. No, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And so just going at it with, uh, with the attitude of it's all about my apology and I'm asking for your forgiveness. And then if they turn around and do something and say, well, I'm sorry too, or whatever, then you forgive them, but you don't bring it up. 
you know, because otherwise you, you can do more harm than good mm-hmm. with, with an attempted apology. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so along with that apology, one of the best ways to reconcile is to just ask them, how do, how do you feel? How did you feel about that situation? You know, you start with, I'm so sorry I yelled at you. How did that make you feel? And so you're opening up and with, once again, not justifying, and you're doing that so that you can understand and empathize with them. You're doing that so that you can show them that you want them to be honest and share with them, share with you their feelings. And so you'll ask that. And then there's a, there's a next level thing, parents, that I really hope that you will embrace. And that is to ask Jesus to heal the, heal the wounds and replace the negative memories with positive ones. And that is next level because we're not comfortable doing that. We're not with, we're not used to doing that. And so you can do that privately with just you and Jesus as you're praying, Jesus, please heal the wounds that I've caused with my child wounds. I don't even know that have happened. You know, will you replace the times I've yelled at them as negative memories with positive ones when we played and laughed and had fun. You can also do that with your kids. I mean, you talk about bridging the gap to the next level with your child when you can say, can we, you know, I'm so sorry. How did you feel about that? Would you, could we sit here and pray right now and ask Jesus to remove those wounds that I've caused you? And sometimes your kids will look at you like you're a freak, mom. I mean, seriously, (laughs) I can't do that with you. Um, But most of the time, they're absolutely blown away that you are going the extra mile to break that barrier down. They, 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 they will not, because they, they, remember, going back to, they want to be connected with you. They don't want those barriers. Yeah. And finally, let's wrap up these barriers. And we want to get to some very practical ways. We've already talked about some of them, but we're going to kind of list them out for you at the yeah. end here. But um you may think so often in the situations with your kids, you think, hey, I'm only about 10% wrong here. The kid's 90% wrong. And they are, and if it, and I don't, you know, it, it takes a lot of humility to go and, and, and apologize. But if you'll treat your 10% as, as, as being 90%, if you will, if you'll treat it as, um, as a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and not go in and flippantly, you know, and you'll be genuinely humble when you make mistakes. It does wonders to overcome those barriers. And and even if the world's putting in the barriers, you know, I've, I've fought through two or three relationships that literally took mm-hmm. a couple of years to get to where, but, but every one of them, you know, I, I've, I remember, you know, I've had a couple of my kids be pretty bitter at me and I just keep telling them, look, I'm sorry you're bitter at me, but I'm for you and mm-hmm. I'm going to keep pursuing you and I'm going to keep at this. And, you know, over time, all of a sudden, you know, you'll get breakthroughs and, and I'm sorry for what I've done, but I'm going to keep at it. And so so let's kind of, you know, transition a little bit. And, and you know, you have, you know, now that you have insight into what why they may not be talking to you and you're equipped to address those issues, you know, let's open up a door for you and and we're going to give you two words that will transform your relationship with your uh young adult and that is to listen safely we tell parents all the time it's one of our culture pillars at crazy cool family become a great listener it's so hard i mean it's so hard with a three-year-old 
it's so hard with and, and then the, the teenagers that won't talk to you how do I listen to somebody that won't talk to me you know right, and, but right. but it's possible and so we're going to give you some tips and, and how to do that as we finish the podcast today yeah and so I just want to press into that word listen isn't that a great word I mean don't we all want to be listened to a newborn wants loves it when you give them eye contact and listen to them and they don't even have language yet um, all the way to that hundred year old grandma who can't hear anymore but desperately wants to be listened to so as a human being we all want to be listened to but specifically parents safely is the word I really want us to focus on because we can listen, but most of the time, I mean, let's be honest, when we listen, we're really just thinking of the next thing we're going to say. We're trying to either combat what they're saying or disagree with it or even agree with it. We're trying to think of how we're going to do that. And I just want to encourage you to the safely part of that is back out of that. Get rid of your agenda and do not add your thoughts to what they are saying. Just listen to them. Absorb what they are saying. Take that, take it in with empathy and focus on understanding. That's how we listen safely. Okay. And so then let's just kind of. Well, and so some ways to do that is one is just don't talk when they talk. Don't interrupt them. Let them finish. How that is so hard to do. <laughs> it is so hard to do. And I, and I think teenagers, that's one of the main reasons they don't talk to us. And I've heard it from so many mouths of teenagers. Well, it doesn't matter anyway, because as soon as I start talking, they start talking. And so parents, I mean, I just as politely as I can say this to you, shut up. <laughs> and, and so I, we, we, we never use that word in our house. We actually got our mouth washed out when we said it because it's so rude. But I do just want to encourage you that if you do, when you do, I'm believing you will. So when you do get your kids to listen to you, don't talk. Well, and so how do you not talk? One of the ways you don't talk is to ask questions. Think, well, I'm talking, but, yeah, <laughs> but, but it's really, but it's not about you. Yeah. But you're all in, in if you can, in the way to, um, to make you feel like you're talking <laughs> to have it, a part in the conversation exactly, <laughs> is just to ask questions, you know, and ask, we call them curious questions, not accusatory questions, uh, because so often that the teenager shuts down because as soon as they um, start talking about something, as soon as they start being vulnerable, the parent will either lecture or they will start to press in. Well, how did you do that? Well, where did you go here? Well, how did you do that? It's, we, we say, don't fact find. You're not, you're not looking for facts that the question, that's not what the questions are about. The questions are about connection. You want to understand more. You want to connect. You want to feel what they're feeling. You want to think what they're thinking. That's where you're coming from. Which means that in, well, I'll almost guarantee you it will not come at the time when you're ready for it. <laughs> so you, all of a sudden you'll have, you'll be late for work. You'll be, you know, going somewhere, you'll be busy. And all of a sudden your kid will drop a bomb on you want to talk and want to talk and be open and, um, jump on those, make it. Yes. Be available when they are available. I remember, uh, talked to a, my kids were little and I was talking to a mom who had teenagers and she said, you know what? I thought when my kids were little, that's when they would need me the most. And she goes, but I have found that they need me more as a teenager. I need to be there. I need to pick them up from school. I need to be available when they want to talk. I need to be there when I, when they go to bed at night because they've got, they are experiencing the world and I need to help them experience it. That blew me away because I was up to my eyeballs and little bitty kids. And so right. I thought for sure, and instead, and once they do share with you, 
we're just kind of going down through some pointers here. Instead of getting angry, frustrated, you know, there's been so many times now that I've learned a lot about this that something has really annoyed me as they're saying it, and I just have to not say it. And and really, and how can you not say it? Well, just like we were talking about asking questions, just thank them for sharing with you. And, and take that later, take that emotion to your, you know, talk about it with your spouse, talk about it with God. But when you react, you're going to shut them down. Mm-hmm. And because they so want your approval and they so want to make sure that everything's okay. But, and so the way you can kind of just uh, give yourself an out is, oh, wow, thanks for sharing that. You don't have to comment to, you don't have to, you, you know, just, hey, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes you'll feel like you're being beat with a paddle. Thank (laughs) you, sir. May I have another, you know, may you, you know, but, but your, your thank you may be more like that, but it's like, just thank them and go on. Don't show your anger and frustration with them and don't judge. You know, when, when they tell you things, you're going to want to, um, to judge them. And, and frankly, parents, we do know better most of the time. We, we've been through the wars and they haven't, but you know, just remember that they are 13. They don't get it yet. And you're trying to get them to get it. And if you judge them, you're going to push them away. Yeah. And another one is don't lecture, you know, don't give your advice. Don't share your opinion unless they ask. And so just parents know that this is a pretty amazing phenomenon. The less we talk, the more they will talk. And eventually they will ask our advice. And actually the less we talk, the more they will actually listen to us. Most definitely. And they're just know that right now they're trying to figure life out and they're going to do dumb stuff and they're going to, and they, they're going to suffer the consequences of that. And that's all okay. And what our uninvited opinions do is it shuts down the conversation because but let's face it, guys, we all know, we know everything, right? I mean, we, we know what's best. We know everything. And that's what our kids think too. And so if we allow them to mess up and we don't lecture them about it, we don't give them the advice and we ask them, well, what do you think? What do you, where do you think God is in this situation? Well, how do you think you could have done it better? You know, well, when I was a kid, this is what I did, you know, but we're, once again, we're not lecturing, we're not giving advice. We're sharing with them our failure when we were a kid. And so believe me, it's really hard. (laughs) It's really, really hard because we have been given that wisdom. But if you will bite your tongue, eventually they will ask. And to be invited in, you talk about sweet wisdom. You talk about an incredible, I mean, I would much rather be, I would much rather give wisdom that's been asked for than shove wisdom down someone's throat. Make them drag it out of you and then also help them come to your conclusions. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do with your, when you do with questions. Well, what do you think about that? Well, I think I should have apologized. Oh, wow, that's a great idea. You know, <laughs> and so let's kind of end it with that because as you ask questions, as you make them drag advice out of you, as you become the uh, a safe listener, then you can find things that you can encourage them with that they've done. Right. So, hey, you know what? That's a great idea. Man, I'm so glad you thought of that. Or, you know, wow, I really am so glad you brought that to me. Man, it, it, I know that was hard. And so, man, you're, that's, that's really showing how you're walking in your faith and you're trusting God by trusting me with your problems or, you know, things like that. You can turn around and, and 
man, you're being brave. You're being kind. You're being all those things. And you can flip it into, instead of advice, you can flip it into encouragement. Yeah, this is such a big point, parents. I want you to hear this. As you are wrapping up your conversation that you're having, as you are being safe, as you have listened, the way to the way to to connect your child to you so that they will want to come back to you again and share with you again, the way that they will walk away satisfied like, "Wow, that was an incredible conversation. I have an amazing mom." Or my dad is is so wise and he's so incredible is if you will wrap it up with approval with that you will overflow with approval you are so smart that was so kind you're so brave that is incredible I never would have thought of that so when they share with us they they're desperate for that they're desperate for our approval and if we are generous with our words if we are generous with that then that's what they're hungry for. They're just going to come back for it again. They're going to look for a reason to come back and talk to right. you because they want that approval. And so let's give it to them. Let's give them what they want. Let's give them what they need. And so parents, let us encourage you at the end as we wrap this up. Um, you may be, you know, we've talked about the barriers at first and you may have um, you may have a great relationship with your child or it may be difficult. I've, I've had both as we've, you know, as I've walked through seven kids and if you're in that stage where you're really struggling with a relationship, just let, let us encourage you. It takes time, but it the breakthrough will come. If you will practice the things we're talking about, you will see that the breakthrough will come. And if you do already have a good relationship with your child, take it to the next level. You know, continue to take some of these things out of here and, and continue to work on them because it is it is awesome to have a great relationship with your teenager. It's awesome to have a great relationship with your 20-year-old, your 25-year-old, and, and it just keeps growing, and it's worth it. It's worth it to pursue it, and it's worth it to pursue it like we're talking here, here to overcome those barriers by being active, safe listeners. Suzanne, you got anything else to as we wrap up? No, I was just going to say that, I mean, ultimately our kids grow out of not thinking they can talk to us anymore. And most young adults, and especially when it's time to pay their taxes or rent a house <laughs> or buy a car, they realize, hey, mom, and all of our kids that have hit their 20s have said, wow, I didn't realize how wise mom and dad are. Right. And I've heard that from so many. So know that that is where you're headed. That's where it's going to be. So why not do it now? Right. Why not? Why not at 10 years old, at 12 years old, at 15 year olds, apply these things? Listen safely. Ask curious questions. Pursue your kids. Know that they want to be pursued by you. Be safe. Be encouraging. One of our crazy cool family mantras is this. You can have a great relationship with every child at every age. Yes. Pursue that. Believe that. And it will happen for you and your family. Yes. Thanks for being with us, parents. Go be crazy, parents crazycoolfamily.com.